the message from Connection Community Church for the week of January 17th, 2010. Tempted to test God. And so he misleads us through deception. Satan, that is. And he's very good at it. He's very good. He'd been doing it a long time. He should be good. And he makes it very tempting to believe him, just like the guy in that little video there. We're tempted to believe his lies, we're de- uh, to believe his deceptions, to believe his misleading. We're tempted to do a lot of things that he knows are not good for us. And so today we, we are here together and we conclude this series on being tempted. Today we talk about being tempted to test our God. Again, good morning, Connection Church. I'm still Carrie Jones. And I'm still Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been tempted and are tempted, and we're saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, um, we call upon your name. We ask you to open our hearts so that we can hear you clearly. And we pray that each one of us is changed and transformed as we leave this place today. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Well, it starts when we're pretty young, putting God to the test. Um, Like maybe you remember back in school, I'm not sure which grade, but it's the big geography test, you know, the states and the capitals. When you go into prayer saying, please, Lord, make Baltimore the capital of Maryland, remember? <laughs> and, 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 you know, Mark 10, 27, one of my, probably my favorite verse says, with God, all things are possible. And I'm sure God could make Baltimore be the capital of Maryland instead of Annapolis, but it, he might not get that done before your teacher grades the test. You know what I'm saying there? So next time it might work better if you studied a little bit rather than having God change the capital to Baltimore. Well, as we get older, this kind of thing really does continue. You know, for example, I'll go to one of my favorite places and order a banana split, and then I'll just say, God, make this nourish my body. (laughs) You know, God can do miracles, but I got to do my part, too. He's thinking, help me out a little bit with this, will you? Yeah. And, and, and so these are obviously a little facetious, although I'm not sure they're that facetious, actually. But, um, but we often put God to the test, you know, we, especially when it comes to, like, our health. You know, we, uh, we maybe encounter a health condition, and we say, God, this is what I want you to do. And when it doesn't come out, just like I prayed for it to come out, uh, we think that God let us down. In other words, we were kind of testing him. God, can you do Oh, you couldn't do that one, couldn't do Oh, you only scored a 60%. That's failing. And what's especially interesting is if we do it when we have an exercise and we have eaten the banana splits or we've, like I used to smoke or, you know, we've overweight or those kind of things. And then we say, well, God, please take care of this medical condition that I've helped put myself in. 
And certainly we, not all medical conditions are that way. Not at all. Not at all. But what I'm saying is like, like in my case, I'd say, God, uh, undo what I've done. I'm, I've, it's not that I'm, fa- I'm testing him. And if he doesn't come through, I said, well, thanks a lot. Gosh, I thought you could take care of this problem. I thought you could take care of this problem. And, and in so doing, I've tested him, and God has failed my test. To test God, to trust God. To test God, to trust God. There's a very fine line. There's a very fine line between them at times. And I'm not sure that we're alone in this. Maybe you've experienced that as well. Jesus did experience this. He was put in the very same position. When he was out there in the wilderness and Satan was there, Satan was tempting him. Tempting him to test his God. And and Satan was unsuccessful getting Jesus to turn the stones into bread like we shared two weeks ago. And he was unsuccessful getting Jesus to pledge his allegiance to Satan in exchange for all the kingdoms of the uh, world, as Lori shared last week. Here's what, here's what he finally tries. The, the devil led him, Jesus, to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, see, he's kind of trying to test Jesus, isn't he? If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered, It says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Well, Bible scholar William Barclay tells us that the highest point of the temple, it was like 450 feet above the ground below. Can you imagine the headlines of the paper if Jesus had given in to this temptation? Local carpenter jumps into ministry. Uh, let's all do that. Uh, yeah, 450 feet. I mean, no doubt this headline that would have been on every corner of the street, every tabloid, the Time magazine, People, Newsweek, all that. Now, that would be some way to kick off your ministry, to get people's attention, to show them what God is capable of. But that's not what Jesus chose to do. Instead, he responded to Satan by quoting Scripture once again, from the book of Deuteronomy, as I shared a couple minutes ago, the sixth chapter, 16th, sixth verse of the 16th chapter. I think that's right. Jesus answered, do, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not put, I'm sorry, it's the sixth chapter, 16th verse. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Wow. Satan is really playing heartball here with Jesus. Satan is quoting scripture. Satan is speaking the word of God as he tempts Jesus. It's kind of a good heads up for us, don't you think? Because Satan's going to do that to Jesus. Satan's going to do that to us. Satan will use any means, any means, any means available to kill, to steal, to destroy your life, your joy. Satan will even take God's word and twist it up in your head. 
Satan will take God's word and mess up the context so you'll think it's this, but it's really this. He'll distort it. He'll intentionally use it to mislead you in God's will and God's way for your life. We need to know enough. We need to know scripture. This is why it's really, really, really important to read your Bibles so that we have the tools. We have God's word. It's a mighty sword so that we can know what we're up against. Satan's been around a lot longer than us. Satan knows God's word, but we need to know it even better. So how does Satan do this in our lives? Well, one way might be when we try to manipulate Scripture to say what we want it to say. You know how you know what you want to say and you find the Scripture that will support it and make it work for you. Or, or when we take a verse and take it totally out of context. Mm. When Satan does use God's word as he tempts Jesus... Jesus doesn't debate what Satan has quoted. I mean, what is there to debate? But Satan has taken it out of context. And so again, that's, that's a heads up. All too often, scripture is taken completely out of context and used to persuade us and to influence people. And that is very, very dangerous. It's so important when we read scripture to take the context rather than just taking out a one-liner. God's word is a, is a story from start to finish, a love letter, and we need to know what's in there. Yeah. And we're trying to think, I was trying to think of an example of how we might do this. And, and I thought of this, how some people would say something like, well, God hates this group of people, or God hates this particular group of people and the way they live, or this particular a group because of the lifestyle that they are participating in or whatever. God hates you. Maybe you've seen, quote, Christians carrying signs like that. It's very disturbing because nothing could be further from the truth. Because God, we're told in Scripture, God is love. Well, if God is love, God can't hate you. The, the, the creator does not hate the creation if that creator is love. And, and scripture makes this clear to us over and over and over again. In chapter 4 of 1 John, uh, we're told repeatedly that God is love and that God loves us. We're told that we are able to love before, because God first loved us. Now, what God doesn't love is the sin in our lives. What God doesn't love is the things that separate us from him and one another. What he doesn't love is certain kinds of lifestyles or certain kind of choices of way to do business with one another. But that's a whole different ballgame than saying God hates you. It's not the first time that Satan used God's word to tempt someone. Way back in the beginning, in Genesis, we see this. You know, when the serpent and Eve have this little chat, you know, the serpent says to Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So he plants that doubt. What's interesting is that Eve never told Satan 
what God had said. Satan offered this on his own. It's like he was eavesdropping and he, he took something to twist it to trip her up. Boy, that didn't happen. I mean, that happened pretty quick, didn't it? Right at the very beginning of humanity. And so Eve enters into discussion with Satan. Heads up. That's not a good idea. Don't enter into discussion with Satan. That's, that's not... Because here's what happened. He, she, he, she's discussing with him what he said to her. And the, the trouble was, <clears throat> Eve misquoted what God had said. She didn't even get it straight. He hadn't said that much, but she didn't get it. She didn't have the whole Bible, just a little piece. She didn't get it straight. <clears throat> she didn't know God's word. Simple as it was. And as a result, Satan was not only able to tempt her, but able to mislead her and able to do what he loves to do best, able to steal to kill and destroy the life that Adam and Eve had in that garden. Wow. Now, in the case of Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus doesn't even give Satan an opportunity for discussion, the opportunity to further distort God's word, God's truth. Jesus simply refers to God's word and calls on Scripture, the book of law, Deuteronomy, and quotes a simple verse that gives him, gives Jesus, and gives us direction for life. Here's what Jesus says. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Say that with me. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Mm. Do not put your Lord your God to the test. It's interesting because a couple of months ago we were preaching on, um, on a tithing idea, this idea that... Um, of what God has allowed to us to have to keep 90 and to give 10% back. And in that message, we quoted a passage from the prophet Malachi in which God tells the people that they have robbed him by not bringing the tithe into the storehouse, and that then God tells the people that they will be blessed beyond measure if they do as he instructs, if they, if they do tithe. And, and then he says, put me to the test. Put me to, and we go, whoa, put me to the... And it's so, whoa, because that's like the only place in Scripture you'll find that. It, it's kind of what you... You know how we say the exception to the rule? It's, it's a very powerful statement because it's contrary to what God otherwise has been saying. In all other cases, we're told not to test God, but in this one case, in this one example, this one opportunity to bring the tithe to the storehouse, the people are told to test God. And that's the exception to the rule. And that's what makes uh, what Jesus is saying so powerful, this not testing God thing. Because God makes it very, very, God makes a very, very rare exception to his do not test me rule when it comes to tithing. Other than that, it's exactly as Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Say that with me. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And so our challenge becomes this. Are we going to trust the Lord or test the Lord? Trust the Lord or test the Lord. To trust, dictionary definition, to have confidence in and reliance on good qualities, especially fairness, truth, honor, and ability. To test, on the other hand, means to evaluate or judge something or somebody. 
In other words, when we trust God, we have confidence that he will take care of us, that he will be who he says he is, and he will do what he says he's going to do. When we test God, we evaluate God, we judge God, we, to see if he really measures up, to see if he meets the criteria that we have set up for him. Unfortunately, um, most of us, perhaps all of us, at one time or another, have put God to the test. We have this notion of, of who God is or who God should be, of what God does or should do, and we, we establish the opportunity for God to perform for us, for God to fix something that we need to have done. And if God doesn't meet our satisfaction, this criteria that we've set up, then we figure that he didn't pass the test. And our challenge is this. God is not here to be tested by us. God's not here to meet our criteria. Let's think about it. The creator is not to be judged by the creation. That's wacky thinking. And, and it's just totally out of order. And beyond that, it's just goofy. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. We're reminded here of what God said to Job in the 38th chapter of the book with his name on it. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. I love that piece of scripture. I love it when he says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? You know, when we think about it, it seems absolutely absurd, doesn't it, that little old us would even start to consider putting God to the test. And yet, yet we do it all too often. It's a challenge, this fine line between testing God and trusting God. <clears throat> Oftentimes, we don't know until we see the results whether we're testing God or trusting. You know, if the results go the way that we hope for, we say, oh yeah, we trust. But when the results are other than what we're hoping for, when we're let down, when our hearts are broken, when we're disappointed, when we're frustrated, maybe then we think, okay, God, you're not who you say you are. Do we get upset? Do we get angry? Do we get sad? And we wonder why God let us down. It's okay to be angry and sad about some things. But is it really trust when we feel that God didn't pass the test? Or do we continue to trust God? To have faith that God is in control. Even though things don't go like I hope that they would go. Am I still capable of trusting God?
As we shared the first week of this series, there's a great story in the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, where three um, young, faithful Jewish boys who've been taken into captivity in Babylon when the Babylonians took over Israel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are their names. Maybe you've heard of them. And they're told by King Nebuchadnezzar that either they worship the giant gold idol he has created, or they'll be thrown into a fiery furnace, which, by the way, is seven times the normal heat of that furnace. And and, Nebuchadnezzar then asked them what God would be able to rescue them from his hand if this were to happen. And here's here's what they say. They say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand. Okay. But even if he doesn't, (laughs) but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were not putting God to the test when they went into that fiery furnace. They had faith that God would save them. But even if he didn't, they would still have faith and he would still be their God. A fine line between trusting and testing. I'm going to take a risk right now. And this is a really hard thing for me to do, but I'm going to tell you my testimony right now of trusting and testing. The last six to nine months, I've had a crisis, and it's been a ministry crisis. I'm wondering, is this really what you want me to do, Lord? Really? You want me to do this? Be a pastor? So I'm in this crisis, and over here, there's this voice that I've heard before. I heard it like 20 years ago, and it came with all power and vengeance, but I've shoved it back. But it's back. And it's saying, Carrie, you are a great nurse. Go back and do that. And so here I have been in the last nine months trying to like, okay, okay. And I prayed on the way home from our trip to Orlando. We were at a conference. We were in the plane, and it was yesterday morning, and I I pray, pray, pray like crazy, like the Lord's Prayer a hundred times But when I'm flying. But... (sighs) I love to fly, but I pray the Lord's Prayer a million times. Okay, but I was also praying about this crisis that I'm in, that I've been in. And I said, God, I really need to hear your voice on this. I really need to hear from you, Lord, in some way. I need to hear from you. I don't need to hear from you, from you guys, okay? So I need to hear from the Lord. That being said, when I finished my prayer, I said to the Lord, but even if I don't hear from you, I'm still going to be faithful in the call that you placed in my life 
20-some years ago. Now, yeah, that's an amen, and I'm waiting for all this to pass because I do trust God. But this is a real fine line. I'm not testing God in that prayer, i got to hear your voice, because I'm going to go even if I don't hear his voice. Testing or trusting? What is it for your life? You know, whatever relationship you're in, where you're working, what you're doing, how you're serving. Do you test God? You're going to trust God. We hope that you'll know the words of Scripture well and that you're going to allow God to guide you and not the voices of the world and specifically the voice of Satan who wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, um, we thank you and we praise you today and always. You are the God of the universe and you love us deep and wide and nothing can separate us from you and you loved us enough to send your very best your son jesus the christ and we thank you for loving us that much and now lord just uh open us up guide us as we walk it out in obedience and with joy We pray this in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.